Is work-life balance a myth? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gabriela Cora. Dr. Cora is president of the Executive Health and Wealth Institute, an international consulting firm based in Miami. Her expertise in crisis management and managing work and life inspired her to design a powerful program assisting executives and corporations in leading under pressure, providing for effective strategies to maximize peak performance and productivity while maximizing health and well-being. Dr. Kra is a board-certified psychiatrist, trained mediator, and she has an MBA with a major in health administration and policy. Dr. Kara lectures in the School of Management at University of Miami, and she's the author of Leading Under Pressure. Welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, I can't wait to learn some practical tips from you, Gabby. So you say that work-life balance is a myth. Absolutely. And let me show it to you with math. (laughs) If we lived in an ideal world, we would probably abide by the rule of thirds. We would work about eight hours a day. Next, we would also spend about eight hours in recreational activities, and last but not least, in the ideal world, we would probably sleep about eight hours every night, correct? Now, how many of us live in that ideal world? (laughs) In the real world, people are working 12 to 16-hour days, and the first part to get outside of this schedule is the recreational activity piece. We start getting all those times that we would otherwise spend in recreational activities to be able to work a little more. And once we've gotten all completely rid of that recreational activity part, then we start sleeping less. Mm -hmm. So if we look at this, the balance is really non-existent for those of us who have very, very busy schedules. And I have so many stories about this. Like, for example, people coming in to visit me and they're rushing all day long, including to a yoga class. So they rush into the <laughs> yoga class, they start relaxing with a class, and then 10 minutes before they need to go, they start tensing up again, rushing out again, doing a zillion things the rest of the day. So that is the problem that I find in trying to address this as a balance of work in life. What I think is more reasonable for us to do is to manage work in life. So how on earth do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's where the art comes into play. So the first thing that I usually try to convey is to understand why the myth of life-work balance, because that work is just a part of our everyday life. And that is why, in my opinion, we cannot really balance life from work. We can balance different things in life but not necessarily work. Work needs to be a part of life, and hopefully it will be as enjoyable as possible. That's why it's so important to try to find work-related issues and activities that are so compatible with who we are and what our purpose is and what our mission is and what we really want to bring to this world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is key. Because then, even if we work hard, a lot of it is pleasure. So where do you start? (laughs) (laughs) There's different ways of getting started to look into this. So one of the most important things that I usually like to convey is how important it is 
for people to know themselves. You know, what is it that is very important for you? And that's where you start looking at the matches or mismatches. If someone wants to be a stay-home mom and she feels that she needs to work 14 hours a day to survive, then that's going to be very much of a mismatch. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is for that mom, for example, to try to find out what it is that she wants to do. For example, one of the things that I've noticed about many of the medical students that are now graduating and becoming residents is that their life-work balance, so to speak, their managing work in life is a very important factor of how it is that they want to practice. So in my time, we just took it that we had to be on call every third, fourth night, or every second night, depending on our rotation. But for the new folks, this is really not a part of the deal because they're coming in at a time where their sleep time, for example, is much more respected. Mm -hmm. So many are considering maybe not even being in a residency program during the time in which they want to have children and maybe coming back a year or two later. These are different things that we're already seeing in the practice of medicine. And we need to keep this in mind because for the person to make that very right decision about how to juggle it all and how to balance things, they're going to need to know themselves very well and try to figure out what is it that is really important to them. That's the first step, honestly. Yeah. How do you balance all the economic realities? I mean, sure, I'd love to take a year off, um, but I don't think that, you know, my mortgage company and uh, people would be very happy with me, nor my office staff. So uh, how does reality come into play here? And that is a great point as well. One of the issues that relate to the laws of physics, the more money we make, the more money we will spend, correct? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So in a way, you know, if we are not able to try to think about, well, how much money do we really need to live well on a personal level? And also, how many people do we feel are completely dependent upon what it is that we produce would be the next point. Hmm. So trying to find other strategies in which you can still live with your same lifestyle, but finding other ways, maybe something to be explored. So for example, in medicine, there's many other ways in which you could potentially create more revenues. Some could relate to, for example, creating some business-related opportunities that would relate to each one of the person's practice. So for example, For a psychiatrist or a consultant in particular, this could relate to creating ways in which they can produce books or information or give talks or teach more opportunities or run seminars where people could apply everything that they have learned, but where they could make money in a different way. Sometimes it is about, is there any other way in which you can consider making money if that is the central of where you think the problems are? Investing opportunities would be another way. Would it be being in solo practice and taking all the weight on your shoulders? Could it be sharing that practice? Could it be being employed by someone else and practicing in that way? So it depends in terms of the nature of each person's practice. Now, if you're driven by money, and that is a personal choice, where it is very important for the person to know what the driving force is. So if it is money, then they should sit down and try to strategically think about all the ways in which they can produce money with the qualities and capabilities that they bring to the table. You know, Gabby, one of the best books I've ever read is an old book now, but it's called Your Money or Your Life. (laughs) And it really helped me kind of figure this out for myself of what's really important in the long run and how much money do you really need. Exactly. And you know what? It may never be enough, but if that's the case, 
and you feel that you know you're you're indebting yourself even more, then it gets to the point where you have to make a big decision. What is it that I truly want? If, for example, if people are working hard because they would love to go skiing every weekend, or because they would love to travel. And all they feel they are doing is working, 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 and they're not able to go skiing, traveling, going to the beach, then it will get to the point where they're like feeling like they're shooting themselves in the foot Mm -hmm. and going like, well, there's something wrong here. I thought I had started all of this to have the security so that I could then do plan B. And I'm not able to fulfill my needs with those recreational activities. And I think that that's one of the key points for physicians in terms of burnout. You know, they're working, working, working. A lot of their work related to be able to sustain their lifestyles. And then when the equilibrium really goes the wrong way, you feel like you're working all the time, but you're really not bringing that pleasure from those things that are so important to you. So the first thing is really to know thyself, so to speak. The second one is to really try to figure out what is it that is so important to you, and then you would kind of create those strategies so that you can make sure that those priorities are just not on paper, but that you truly make them happen in your life. Okay, so you've, you've done this analysis of your current situation and your goals and uh, skills. Now what? <laughs> that doesn't sound too hard. Once you know exactly what it is that you want, then you can start working on it. And I try to do that with a couple of other concepts. The other concept that I use is the individual and organizational scheme of things. And for that, I kind of break it down. Other authors have done that, this particularly on the individual level. So, for example, on the individual level, what is important for that healthy lifestyle would be staying physically healthy, emotionally, cognitively, spiritually, and socially. And I've also described doing exactly the same things with the organizational health. Mm. So let me share with you an example. I was once running a seminar, and this was a seminar for managers with their employees. So the managers would tell the employees, you have to work on life-work balance. It's very important for you, but by the way, If I need you to submit this report, I want it submitted by midnight, even if I say so. (laughs) So as a manager and or as an employer, if you're a physician and you own your own practice, you have to be careful how you position this because this will not only impact you, but you're really giving mixed messages. So it will be very, very important that if you're in charge of your world, whether it's your own practice and or your department within a practice, that you are able to build it in the way that is important to you. So that would be the next step. And the third step is that once all of this has been looked at, then there's a way in which uh, we can plan this to make it easier. So for example, I give tips on how to achieve each goal to move up and improve, so to speak, always keeping in mind how to align a personal with an organizational or professional plan. So in a way, it's a mix and match of things that are important individually and within the organization. The biggest problem that there can be is that a person may function very well within a setting, but the setting is really not a good match for the person. So for example, again, if the person appreciates having some time off and they've just joined a job that requires or that gives them no vacation time for the first year, that person's not going to be a happy camper within that, or, within that organization. They're not going to last so long. So believe it or not, all these options that people do have 
it may be very difficult to see them when people feel so deep in quicksand. And this is why it is so important to try to plan ahead. And as physicians, I think what can be so helpful is our culture has usually been to take whatever has been offered to us. A salary is offered, okay. There are some restrictions that are being placed now. We take them. We accommodate very well, too well, to some of these demands. And the problem is, you know, you keep on juggling and bringing in more things. What I propose is to say, hold on a second, let me take a step back. You know, if this organization is asking me to work a couple of extra hours every day, can I do this? Do I really want to do this? And if I do this, for how long do I need to do it? But that is a difficult thing to do because it will require people to think ahead of the game and try to make some big, big decisions. Well, thank you so much for all of your help today, Gabby. My pleasure. We've been discussing improving your mythical work-life balance. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.